Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week we're going to continue our community connection show and share with you all some of the wonderful stories and questions that you guys have sent in. So Denise, would you like to start us off? I'd love to. Uh, this, I just wanted to thank you for your podcast on Spotify. My daughter and I listened to you on the way to school and are truly inspired. We both, we're both natural empaths, and I'm trying to grow my natural abilities. If you get a cold sensation from this message, it's because we're having a cold, rainy front in Texas. My daughter has been special from the moment of conception. I know it may sound weird, but we touched souls the minute that was coherent. Now she's looking into the supernatural, and I'm worried that she, unknown to her, to her natural abilities, is manifesting unnatural being, beings in our home. We're a big family with multiple natural gifts, but her curiosity of the macabre is making things hard on the entire family. She has friends that seem to be natural mediums, and they're really sparking an interest. I thought I'd have more time to explain things, but middle school is full force. Any advice you have is welcome. We love your podcast, and maybe touching on new abilities will help. Thank you. Well, that's a lot and a small little note. Yeah, it is. And I think that middle school is not necessarily the time to dive into these abilities. Again, as we always say on this show, just my opinion. Mm -hmm. But if you study poltergeist activities and occurrences, you will find that most of the poltergeist things that we study and research center around a pre or current pubescent child who is dealing with all the hormones and the issues and the emotions of just growing into a teenager. And there's a belief among parapsychologists that all of that energy can kind of amp up, manifest, attract, or create poltergeist activity. And so I just think it's important to foster these abilities in young children and to, wait, let me change that word, foster. I think it's important to validate them without necessarily fostering them. Do you, so you know what I mean by the difference? I do. So if your child says, I have this feeling that I'm going to have a great day at school. Well, that's great, honey. Go with that and put out wonderful pictures of a teacher patting you on the back and handing you a paper with an A on it. But if a student, if a child comes to you and says, all I want to do is spend all Saturday watching horror movies and playing with the Ouija board at a sleepover tonight. <laughs> <laughs> then you might want to say, you know, let's rethink that. So if, you have, if your child has a fascination in the macabre, there's a reason for that. And, and look, Stephen King did, and look what he did with that. I know I was always fascinated by all of that stuff as a kid, and, and I think I grew up just fine out of that. The, the key word, though, is is balance. And so you want to validate your child's interest and abilities without necessarily encouraging them. And that's a tricky road to walk, but I do think it can be navigated with conscious discipline and really saying to yourself, okay, if you want to watch three horror movies, that's fine, but let's break up those three horror movies into a month instead of a day and let's intersperse some comedies and some rom-coms and some fun, uplifting books in between. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I, I think in this lady's note, she put in there a kind of a, a discomfort about maybe manifesting unnatural beings in the house and it's impacting the whole family. And that to me is 
a little red flag if it's causing disruption in the home. I, I agree with everything you said about uh, middle school, that age group. And my own personal aside, would I would be more apt to encourage developing those skills of how to open and close your chakras, how to protect yourself, how to uh, build your clairvoyance, your clairaudience, your mediumship skills. And I don't have as much of a fascination with this, this work as you do, and we, we've talked about that on and on. But I think for me, and I've seen this happen with people I care about and people that I've known just socially, that those are big doors to open. And you need to be really strong in your skill set when you start working with that type of energy. And again, that's just my personal aside. No, I think that's a really good reminder. And those are great examples. When my kids started getting interested in some of this, I attuned them to Reiki. My oldest daughter has started doing yoga. I have taught them how to meditate. We've done guided visualizations. But I have never pulled out a deck of tarot in front of my kids. Mm -hmm. Have you? No. No, I've never done readings for my kids. No. And I don't think never. I ever would. It feels... I don't think it's appropriate. I don't either. So um, I just think it's a really tricky balance. Now, if you do think, as this listener has suggested, that there are unnatural beings in your home... Well, I, I think it's really important to go through your home, call on your guides, your higher power, ask them to assist you and clear those things out. And I would have your daughter walk with you through the home and have her really state in a commanding, demanding voice, only beings of the light are allowed to walk through this home. Anything here with a negative intention needs to leave right now and sage the home and fill it with prayer, fill it with light, light a candle and let it go the entire day that you're home. Um, but you can get that negative energy. Okay, our next one says, if it wasn't for Samantha and Denise and Deb on Psychic Teachers, I would probably be a wandering lost little soul wondering why I'm so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all your work. Since you were both mothers, I wanted to reach out and ask for help. My children are three in one. They're insanely bright, amazing, and intelligent little humans. They also have always demanded a lot of me since their births. Obviously, they need me since they're so young and I'm their mother, but I'm having a hard time because I'm constantly overwhelmed, starting like five minutes after we all wake up. My question is, how did you two manage your energy throughout the day to be able to stay balanced and calm in order to truly be present with your young children without completely exploding? Thank you again for your love, light, and experience. Well, I just want to thank her for sending this question, Denise, because I think this is a really honest question to ask. I agree. And I know when I was a part of a play group, I would try to bring up questions like this with the other moms, and they would be like, what? I'm sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like they just, <laughs> excuse me while I set the table for 12. I'm having dinner tonight. You know, like they just didn't want to talk about it. And so just the fact that she's asking that question is really, really good. I felt overwhelmed, I think, from the minute I brought my first baby home. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's so normal for moms to feel that feeling. I remember I was so lucky because Mike, at the time, was able to get six weeks off of work, wow. which is kind of unheard of. But I, it was really important to me that both parents were home during that maternity leave. 
And I can still remember the night he was getting his uniform ready for work the next day. And I had this panicky feeling like, what am I going to do with this child all by myself? And, you know, then it worked out. And then 17 months later, I bring home Tori and I literally almost threw myself a party when I took them both to Target in the stroller. Like I Mm -hmm. thought I had achieved a feat taking two little babies out for the day by myself. So I definitely understand everything that she is saying. And for me, what worked was having a really rigid schedule. And I think I had that very rigid schedule, not so much for my kids, even though it definitely helped them, but it was more so for me. So every week I would write down, you know, Monday, uh, for example, let's say, I can't remember the days now, but one day was library time. One day was tumbling time at the gymnastics studio. One day was kinder music. One day was play group. And one day we would just go to the park with my mother-in-law. So every day I had a scheduled outing that was the same every week, you know, so Mondays was this, Tuesdays was that. And then we had nap times. We had, I had two nap times a day until they went to school. That was important again for me. And we had a very rigid bedtime. I would not break that. And there are members of my family today who still will kind of, you know, joke with me about my rigid bedtime. Cause I would say, I can't go anywhere after 7.30, that's bedtime. And, and that really helped me. So my kids were in bed by 7.30 every night and eight o'clock to 11 o'clock at night, that was my time. That was my sacred time where I could talk to my friends on the phone. I could walk with my friend in the neighborhood if, if, if my husband happened to be off that night. I could read, I could meditate, I could do whatever I needed to do. But the only way I think I got through those years with any sense of normalcy and presence and peace and joy was by having a very structured schedule. How about you? A completely other end of the spectrum. Couldn't get any further away because I was the primary wage earner. So I was teaching school and my kids were babies. I got my three months of maternity leave. My ex-husband was with them during the day and I was with them at night. They were always with one or the other of us because that was my my own personal side. I, I have so much empathy and compassion completely in my soul for anyone who's trying to do this juggling act because it's hard. It's really hard. And that being said, so I would be with little people all day and then get home and it it worked out well. I had a school teacher schedule, so I was home by mid-afternoon and then I would be the primary person with my kids until they went to bed. And it was, I tried to turn it off and on. And I think you're saying that with your schedule, But I would, um, like when I was driving home from the school, I would get in mode that I get to go hang out with the kids and we'd take walks and we'd play and we'd do puzzles and we'd play in the afternoon so that I could have that time with them. And then we would go into our routine of making dinner and having baths and reading stories and I would get them to bed and I would collapse and I'd get up and do it again. And I think that's reality for a lot of people with little tiny children is you're just doing the best you can right now, and that's okay. During that time, I was teaching three days a week at the college. I can't imagine teaching five days a week little people and then going home to little people. That's a lot of little people, Denise. It was. At one point, I cracked myself up because I would say, oh, dear God, I am never around anyone taller than three feet tall. (laughs) (laughs) 
and it was and it was also kind of weird because I um you know, a special ed teachers, so developmental disabilities, so I would look for those things in my kids, and I would, but it, it was just, it was a blur. Some of it was a blur, but I don't, I don't regret a minute of it, obviously. I don't regret that I was, uh, that I had to work, or that I chose to work, or however we want to word it, because it was just the way things were. And as far as just my, my gut feeling and, and what I can strongly recommend is just be gentle with yourself. Enjoy the hell out of it. Celebrate just having this precious time because it's such a little window and they'll be grown and independent. And so if you have kids that are naturally sensitive or empathic, you can play, you, you just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, people used to say that to me all the time. They'd stop me at the stores or, you know, in-laws or parents would say that to me. This time is so fleeting. And I always wanted to say, bleep you, because right. in the moment, it doesn't feel fleeting. It feels like it's never going to end, that you're never going to be able to sleep through the night. You're never going to be able to wake up when you want. It feels all consuming and, you know, almost like you're captive to these little yes. people's schedules. And yet in reflection, I understand what you're saying and what all those people were saying to me, because it is so fleeting. And in listening to your answer and my answer, the word we're not saying that I'm hearing is surrender. Right. And I do think that helped me is surrendering to this is my life for right now and I'm going to surrender to it. And I really did enjoy just sitting on the floor with them and playing with them and not thinking about emails, not thinking about those papers I had to grade, not thinking about those stupid committee meetings I had to sit on, just sitting on the floor and, and moving that little farm truck across the carpet and trying to get in the moment by moment by moment. Because I do think when you're raising little kids, it's not day by day, it's moment by moment. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't have to be over the top. It can no. be, I, I can, right now, and my sons are grown men, I can flash back to the three of us cuddled on the couch watching a Disney movie. And we would just laugh and we'd sing along. And that is priceless. That is absolutely priceless in my book of memories. I, I totally agree. And I, I would say just don't lose yourself in the process. Exactly. I remember during that time, the kids at school were calling me Mrs. Faye, and my kids at home were calling me Mom. Mm -hmm. And when someone would call me Samantha, my heart would leap. Literally, I'd be like, that's who I am. Because I was so focused on these roles of being the teacher or the mom that I was losing who I was. That's why meditation and getting my Reiki degrees and joining the intuitive development classes all of that stuff really saved me and brought me back to center. And so just don't lose who you are. Yes, surrender to the moment and enjoy being a mother because in, in, in my perspective, it, it's just the greatest gift and blessing you can, you can experience if that's your path. But in that process of surrendering to that, also anchor yourself to who you are and invest in that with time spent with friends or time spent alone with books and classes that really speak to you. So it's, it's again, like the other question, it's a, it's a tricky road to navigate, but it can be navigated. I just want to add one more quick little thing is it's okay to be human once a while. It's okay to get 
overwhelmed or frustrated or sad or how am I going to pull this off? That's part of this experience as well. We can't always be. I had a, a woman tell me one time, I never, ever raised my voice or got upset with my children. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, really, that is bullshit. And if she is telling the truth, there's a part of her that is closed off. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So I, I think I love, love, love. Yes, do whatever you can to take care of yourself, but enjoy the hell out of those babies because that's all it really is. I just yelled right at my now. kids this morning. Yeah. My oldest daughter, this is what she does every morning. She's ready to go about 20 minutes before my middle daughter, and they, she drives her to school. So she's sitting in the driveway pounding the horn. Oh. Which, you know, I have elderly neighbors who I know sleep in. So that's getting me all riled up. Meanwhile, my middle daughter, who, you know, Tori, she's so like, yeah. everything's going to be fine. Like, she's such a little mellow hippie in her own way. She's mm -hmm. wandering through the house. Now, where did I put my math book? And meanwhile, <laughs> Olivia's <laughs> on the horn. And I'm like, honey, okay, Olivia should not be pounding on the horn, but you do need to pick up the pace. Mm -hmm. Oh, mom, you stress out so much. It's okay. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> so it's it's always hard but it's always wonderful and it's yeah. always happening at the same time well that was we covered a lot with that one i hope so uh, okay our next one uh, dear empaths you all talk about mediumship a lot i had an interesting experience with a co-worker i bartend with and she's different a force of light but unrefined with her gifts as they're just opening up for her one evening, this coworker called me to say she needed my help. After she put her boys to bed, she found her husband in their bedroom freaking out because he heard a man's voice in the room clearly say my friend's name. They both continued to hear weird noises the rest of the evening. I remembered a tool I learned in a healing session I called the yes-no technique, where you monitor the way someone's body shifts to the yes-no answer. So I decided to try this with her. This is all through text. I asked several questions to decipher which way her body shifts when her answers are yes or no. She had yeses back and no is forward. Then she asked the entity if it's light, yes. Does it have a message for her? Yes. Then all of a sudden, every hair on my body stood up. I felt overwhelming amounts of love, then deep sorrow together. It's nothing I've ever felt, and I could discern it wasn't mine. I knew the entity had deeply loved Stephanie and had deep sorrow. Tears were just rolling down my face. I'm not a crier or a hugger. I had her stand up and do breathing techniques and told her to put her hands on her heart. She felt calm and safe and no longer scared. She had a feeling it was her stepdad, Bobby. This made her feel super energetically charged up, happy to be of service, but my systems were way too fluttery. It's like I heard one of you describe with walking to a house and feeling the dog's energy, fragmented and all around, not together and not peaceful. Luckily, I had acupuncture that day, and the session in his words brought me back to that strong, peaceful place. But had I not go, I would have been screwed up for the rest of the day with not being able to put all that back to center. My awakenings are big and great, but I still have to maintain being a mom, teaching yoga, tending bar, and being a wife. Did this happen to both of you early on? Is there a quick way to pull it all back in? My acupuncture guy said, maybe I should be less open, which is true. But this was a friend in need, and I'm a sucker for that. Salt bath, meditation, nature freak, breath work, lover, cord cutter, crystal carrier, 
are there any other tricks to keep the energy but transform its nature? Wow. That yeah. that's a lot. Um, the only thing I've ever heard about with the yes, no, you know how they'll do, um, I think they even do it with allergy tests where they'll have you lift your arm and yeah. they'll push and your they'll arm press down. On it. Yes. And sometimes you can't lift your, you can't move your arm or you can't lift it. So, I mean, that whole button, we've, we've talked about this a lot too. That whole mind body connection fascinates me because it just makes sense. Um, what do you get on this? Because I, I feel well, like I, we're going to go in different directions. I would, I would remind her that she instinctively knew what to do. And all of this happened over text. So she wasn't even connecting with the voice. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I think one time I've done a reading over text and it was okay, but I felt really weird and awkward about it because I need a voice mm -hmm. um, or <clears throat> excuse me, or your, your, your person in front of me to connect fully and confidently with mediumship. So I would just remind her that she instinctively knew what to do. She recalled this body pendulum technique to help her figure out if this was a good entity in her home or a bad entity. And, and they were able to determine it was her stepfather. The fragmented scattered energy, that's really common a lot of times when our deceived loved ones are trying to make contact with us from the other side, they don't know how to do it. <clears throat> right. This is something that they have to learn. Remember that story a client told me years ago where she saw her husband walking down the hall after he had passed and his skin kept falling off? Mm -hmm. And he said, tell her I'm so sorry. I didn't know how to recreate my body in her dimension anymore. Wow. So, they have to learn how to do all of that again in a different way. So I, I think it's great that she was able to help her friend take what sounds like a very scary situation. You know, her husband's sitting in the bedroom. She's putting the kids down to bed. And I don't want to, you know, use her name, but let's say her name is Mary. And her husband is sitting there and he hears, Mary? I mean, come on, you'd freak out. <laughs> You know, <laughs> damn straight. Yes. Even if he appeared as Jesus with the robe and the beard and the sandals and all, you'd still be like, holy cow. So she was afraid. She was worried. And then this listener was able to talk her down basically and walk her through it and help her identify who this voice was. And that fragmented energy, I think, is just that the stepfather wanted so much to connect with his stepdaughter, but didn't really know how. And so this listener was the link and helped that. So she mentions salt bath, meditation, going out in nature, doing breath work, cutting cords, crystal work. And she says, are there any quick ways to transform this? And unfortunately, in my experience in this world of intuition and mediumship, there ain't nothing quick about any of it. True. There's, there's no quick fix. There's I wish I could say to you all, if you tap on your third eye 12 times a day at precisely 6 a.m., it will awaken in one hour. You know, no, mm -hmm. there's no quick method. And when you're first coming into an awareness of this is who I am and this is what I can do, gosh, you know, I've been doing this for two decades and I still am figuring out how I do this and how I work with this energy. So I, I mean, maybe, maybe a John Holland could answer this better or a John Edward or, you know, someone like that. But to me, 
all of this work takes time to process. And when I do a reading and I'm talking to someone who is in serious grief mode and they are crying in front of me as they are missing their parent and I'm linking in and connecting them to their parent, there's no quick fix for that, Denise. You know, that client's not going to walk out of my office and I'm going to look at and go, oh, gosh, I totally forgot. I got to pick up that book at the library and then I got to run into Walmart and get some milk. No, I sit there at that table and I often cry with that client, not in front of them because I don't need to be that person for them then. But but when they leave and I'll light a candle and I'll say a prayer for them because life is hard. And, and as empaths, we're going to feel all of that. And so I don't think there's a quick fix to any of this. That's my take. I agree with your take very, very much. And I'd like to add in also, I was a bartender many, many years ago. And I very rarely go into a bar because the energy is too much for me. That's similar to going into an institution for me. It's very, very strong energy. There's a lot of, um, it can be a very heavy, dense for some of us. So kudos to her for being a bartender and being as sensitive as she is and her friend as well. The other thing that um, just having to be able to turn it on and off I agree. There is absolutely no quick fix. But if you have something that you can, uh, sometimes um, if you just, I, I love that she does breath work, is if you put like your thumb and your forefinger together or you just do something physical to remind yourself, I need to get back in the zone and then do, do some deep breathing or feel that energy coming up through roots in the ground. Sometimes that can help. Or for me, sometimes I'll say the same little prayer uh, and when I start to feel really scattered and off or overwhelmed, I have a, a, a rote prayer that I say, and it helps me get back in self. It doesn't shut it off, but it helps me get back to center a little more easily. So that may be something to try as well. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion because having anything physical that you can do to just remind yourself, I'm here, I am present, I am fine, is so, so important. Um, you know, I I hate to say stuff like this because it, it makes us sound way hokier than we are. But, <laughs> but going outside and just touching the ground or touching a tree, I'm not saying you got to go out and hug a tree and, you know, all of that, although it does help. But just getting back to nature in some way is really important. Um, going back to something in your childhood that brought you to center. So whether it's coloring, that can work. Um, for me, work in my beads always works. If I say the Hail Mary, I am right back to center. You know, that's not going to work for everyone, but I'm just saying, you know, Denise has her prayer. I have my prayer. You might have a prayer that you grew up learning as a child. Even if you're not really, you know, jiving with that religion anymore, saying those words might bring you comfort and bring you back to center. Um, Also, Denise often recommends washing your hands after a reading to just kind of like cleanse and disconnect from that energy. I think that's a great suggestion. But this listener mentioned that she had done acupuncture that day, which really helped her. Mm -hmm. And so that is just a reminder that again, this listener is doing everything right already. And I think so often we just don't recognize that in the moment and upon reflection, or hopefully with with us, you know, as it as a objective observer, we can look at it and say, you're doing everything right. She did everything right here. Yes, she did. She didn't freak out when her friend was freaking out. 
she was like, okay, wait, I learned this really cool healing technique. I bet this could help her too. Let's figure out what this is. She didn't jump to, oh my God, you have a demon in your house. <laughs> Which a lot, of, a lot of readers would do that. Yes. You heard of this carnivores. Yeah. You oh, go to the church. You've got a demon. You know, no. So she did everything right. And the fact that she had acupuncture that day shows me that she already knows how to practice self-care. And so the more you do that and builds up the strength in your aura, the more quickly you are going to get back to center. But frankly, I would be more concerned about her if this didn't affect her. Mm -hmm. You know, we are empaths engaging in an earthly existence. It's going to impact us. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us. It just means we're feeling and connecting. And, and that's great. I will move on. Okay. Our next one says, hi, Samantha and Denise. Thank you for all the work you do. Listening to your podcast has been a great comfort. Also, it has been validating and educational for many feelings I have experienced with people and animals. Over the last year, I have been bombarded with numbers, not just one number, but abundant daily experiences. One day, I saw the number 444 five times on my way to pick my daughter up from school. It's only a 10-minute drive. I often see series of numbers like this, 333 or 777. At first, I was comforted by all these numbers, but now I'm not sure if I should be. Since the frequency of these numbers hasn't slowed and only continues, I wonder if I'm missing something I'm supposed to do. Should I just keep on doing what I'm doing during my day? Have I've been praying and meditating on this, but I don't have any direction, and maybe I'm not supposed to. If either of you have any thoughts on this, I would greatly appreciate it. I think that the world, if you look at Pythagoras's teachings and, and beyond that, the, the world is created based on numbers. Now, I have a math-addled brain, so asking me to explain that isn't going to help anyone. But I have read that this entire, if you look at the Fibonacci sequence, for example, and if you're listening to this going, what the heck is she talking about? Just Google Fibonacci sequence. And don't ask me to spell that either. But if, if you just go on to Siri and, and say, Siri, teach me about the Fibonacci sequence, she'll know and it'll pop up, I promise. That one example alone shows that this entire universe is created basically based on mathematic equations, which is really, really cool if you, if you look into it. There's a wonderful book called The Flower of Life. I don't want to say his name either. I can't pronounce it. It's like measles. I don't know. He's a wonderful teacher, and I'm sorry I can't say his last name. But if you look it up, Flower of Life, I'll try to Google it while, when you answer the question, Denise, so I can give him the proper respect he deserves. But his book describes really and truly how this entire world is created on numbers. So it looks to me, dear listener, as though the universe is trying to speak to you. And so I think you need to consider looking at and studying the numbers. Glynis McCants is, I think, one of the best beginner book to go to. Glynis McCants, I have a uh, lady, what is it called? The number lady has your number? Yes. Um, that one explains so simply and beautifully what all of the numbers mean. And then from there, you can branch out into some of the deeper books on numerology. 444, four is a number of the earth. So if you think about a table, it needs four legs to balance. There are four directions. There are four main elements we put on an altar. So four is all about balance. It's all about connection, grounding, getting back to basics. 
So if you're seeing any number we see three times, three is considered the number of consciousness, Christ consciousness, it's the number of creation. So when you see one number three times, like in a series, like she's seeing, it's just amplified. And it's basically the universe saying, lady, you got to get grounded now. And it's not a bad thing. It's just a call to come home to your soul. When you see 333, as she sometimes does, as she mentioned, it's often a message to get back to creativity, connection, and communication. 777, I, I had a really long period, maybe two, three, or four months where I kept seeing 777. And everything, I, I Googled it, as you do, and all, I swear, like half these things I Google, they just copy off the other page I looked at, you know, because they all say the same thing. And I don't know if it, if, I don't know, I don't know what that means. But it was all saying like, seven is the number of seven chakras and seven days in the week and seven days to create the world. And so the universe is asking you to create something amazing and share your message with the world and I don't know. I don't know that we all have a message we have to share with the world. I really think we're all just here to be kind to ourselves and to the people we encounter. So that message that I Googled just didn't resonate with me. So I took the 777 I kept seeing. I mean, like, I remember I would go to Chick-fil-A to pick up dinner for my kids one night, and and my change would be $7.77. Like, it just, the number kept coming up. So I just meditated and I said, what does 777 mean for me? And Denise, the first thing and the only thing I saw was that image of three cherries with sevens rolling at a slot machine, you know? Uh And I knew it meant, oh, good luck is coming to me. And sure enough, maybe because I thought that or maybe because that's what it meant, but I entered a really good luck period after that. So I think you should study what the numbers mean maybe Google what other people say they mean, but ultimately go into meditation and ask yourself and ask your guides, why am I seeing 444? Now, Doreen Virtue used to have a book years ago on angel numbers, and you could look up the sequence of numbers. She used to have a lot of things on angels, Denise. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a nice little reference in the sense of, like for me, 444 is usually angelic. When that happens... But when I see repeating numbers, like for me, uh, one I get very, very often, I know it's coming from my mother in spirit, is she'll show me the numbers of the address where I grew up. And it'll show up in my change. It'll show up on a license plate. It will show up in an article. It's just a sequence of three numbers. It can also, what, as you were speaking about this, I thought, well, pay attention to how you're feeling when these numbers show up. Is there any pattern or any, uh, are you feeling frazzled? Are you feeling, I feel like this, I agree with you hundred percent. It's a way to reconnect with what your meaning of the, the numbers is or, but it is, it, it's hard not to go to that place of what are you trying to show me? Why are you showing me this over and over and over? Am I missing something? That would be my default position. Am I missing the message here? Right. Right. Uh, And we do miss them. We miss the message all the time. And And they'll keep bringing it back. Exactly. They are very patient. They know. That's why I like working with guides almost, well, not more than angels, but in a more practical daily way, because guides have lived these lifetimes many, many times. They know what it's like to get bogged down and confused and sucked into this earthly dimension. They're not mad at you. They're just going to keep gently 
It's like a teacher. You know, when, when my students were like, I don't understand indefinite pronouns, I wasn't like, that's because you're indefinitely stupid. Like, I didn't get <laughs> mad at them. I would just say, yeah, I know. It took me so long to figure this out too. Let's go through it one more time. So just don't think anyone, like the universe is shouting at you. Um, the book is called The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life. It's a purple book. It's by, okay, you guys ready? Drunvalo Mijeldeck. Oh. I think I'm saying that right. D-R-U-N-V-A-L-O. And his last name is M-E-L-C-H-I-Z-E-D-E-K. Have you read it, Denise? No. Oh, it's fascinating. I've, there's part one and part two. And he has a bunch of great, um, he's got a Gaia channel, but he also has a YouTube channel. And you can uh, watch a lot of his, his speeches. He's just a phenomenal teacher. So much of, I have the ancient secret of the flower of life. I have highlighted it and I have read it three times. And as you all can clearly see, I still can't explain it because it's, it's kind of over my head. It's above my IQ, but I love it. Mm-hmm. I like to think when I read challenging work, Denise, that it gets lodged into my subconscious anyway, even if my conscious mind is like, what? Oh, I think it does. Because in readings, when I'm talking to people, I'll pull out this random, I have no base of knowledge about, but I must, I'm either channeling it from spirit or it's something I read along those lines that's just tucked into a file somewhere. Because Oh my gosh, I have a really embarrassing because uh, it kind of sounds like look at me story, but um, I hope you guys will find it funny like I did. I had that same experience. I was sharing it with my sister. So this is what I did. And I, I would get up and get it to share with you, but Denise and I have recently learned that when we record these shows, we're supposed to keep our phone in a separate room because it supposedly helps with the static noise we sometimes get. So this is what I do when I meditate. I meditate and if anything comes through, great. If it doesn't, fine. But if something does come through, I pull out my phone and on my notes app, I write down whatever came through. And then sometimes I'll go through that, what, you know, whatever I wrote down, and I'll look at it. So I'm you know, sitting in line for hours at Disney a couple of weeks ago, and I'm looking through that notes app. And I had written down this lovely quote. And I said, gosh, that's so good. I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> Okay, this sounds really ego-based. You probably should delete this. So I Google, I typed in the entire thing. Nobody wrote it. And I was like, oh, I must have written it in my meditation. <laughs> See, I don't think that's ego-based. I think that's a perfect example of getting the hell out of the way and letting spirit come through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what meditation is all about. So yeah, hopefully, so hopefully if you guys read the, the flower of life, maybe you'll understand it better than I did, but I hope you guys enjoy it. It's very, um, very intelligent and esoteric, but full of rich resource information about numbers and the universe. Well, and I okay. hope that you're going to put your, your quote that you wrote in your book that you're writing. Yes, I will. I really do like it. <laughs> I just have no memory of writing it. What, okay, so you're not going to share it now, but we'll, we'll share it in a future show maybe. Or well, I can get up and get my phone, but then we might have static. And Yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. No. Okay, we're ready for the next one? Yes. Okay, dear Sam and Denise, I just recently stumbled across your podcast, and it's become a staple in my life. With that said, thank you for creating a community with no judgment and insight into the world of an empath. 
As an anxiety-stricken, overly sensitive perfectionist, I've known for a while that I'm an empath. Sometimes I find myself plagued with the chaotic energy that inhabits the world around me. I feel things to my core. However, there seems to always remain with me a quiet skeptic, judging and analyzing every little thing that passes through my brain. The experience I'm about to describe is one of those instances. I had been researching and practicing meditation, mostly because of the severe anxiety I've been blessed with. After months and months of trying to no avail, I believe that I succeeded in meditating one time, and it was one of the most intense things I've ever gone through, mentally, physically, and most of all, spiritually. It lasted the longest couple of seconds, and the knowledge that was immediately implanted into my brain was insane. As soon as I realized I'd fallen into this meditation, the only way I can describe it is to think about when Neo from the Matrix gets that cord implanted into the back of his head as a roadway for tons of data to become integrated into his mind. I've seen my entire life flash before my eyes. I understood every emotion I ever felt and why I was supposed to feel it. Suddenly my life made sense. Then I was told the meaning of our life. I saw our souls volunteer to come to earth from heaven in order to raise the vibration of the universe in order to combat the low evil vibration. I saw the hierarchy of the angels and how the earth was created. It was as if in a single second, I was told everything. Keep in mind, this lasted merely seconds. Then I remember gasping as though I'd been at the bottom of the ocean for 10 hours. My body went into shock. I started sweating. My hands started shaking. My heart started racing and I paced the floor for hours wondering what the hell had just happened to me. I tried to write things down, but sure enough, the more time elapsed, the more details I forgot. After this crazy event, I started looking into psychics and all that it entails. I began wondering if I was psychic in some way. The more I got into it, the more I started to fear it. Sometimes I find myself wanting to dive headfirst into all the wonderful things psychics and mediums can do, but then the fear creeps in and my mind keeps telling me that I'm not ready to see or hear dead people and I really don't want to know about the evil that exists around me. Ignorance is bliss, right? But that's so unsatisfying, especially after my experience and knowing that there's more to life than this 3D universe we see around us. Is there any insight you can give me to understand what's happening to me and if the skeptic in my mind is right or wrong? I know you probably can't tell whether or not someone is a psychic through an email, but attached, I'm including the strongest sense of self I can muster to send with this message. The other ones I can talk to about this without feeling ashamed because of my doubt. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. But I think she feels like she's almost a spokesperson for a lot of what people are going through right now. This big awakening, this coming in touch with intuition, with mediumship, with things are shifting. And similar to what Jen brought through on the astrology show a couple weeks ago, this is very, very much about new beginnings and new energy coming in. And if she didn't think she was a little crazy, I'd be worried about her. Exactly. Yep. Thank you for saying that. Um, I, I just think that it, that's an amazingly intense. And I, I mean, you and I have both talked about this. We do this for a living and we still have that, that lively little skeptic that we have on our shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, for years I fought her really mm-hmm. hard. And I don't fight her anymore. I'm very happy I remain skeptic because skepticism is not closed-mindedness. There's a very big difference. 
if you have such an open mind that you believe everything, that's not good. And, and then nothing's going to stay in. You know, picture like an origami box. It's all folded up. Nothing's getting in that. That's a closed mind. That's not a skeptic. And then picture that origami box opening up completely flat on the floor. Nothing's going to be contained in there either. So, so an open mind isn't great, a totally open mind, and a totally closed mind isn't great. You need like a little origami box that, that's pliable and flexible and the doors can kind of open and close so that you can let stuff in that resonates and keep stuff out that doesn't. Okay, and as far as seeing and hearing dead people, uh, they're just people. They're not, it's not scary woo-woo. I, I sure wouldn't do it if it was scary woo-woo. Uh, and I, I don't tap into the evil. I, I think if you're looking into being an intuitive, a psychic, a medium, please at least consider how can I best be of service with this. Don't, I, I think that there are some psychics or intuitives that tend to gravitate more to darker uh, circumstances or focus more on that. That's not how I want to spend my life. No, no, not at all. Now, if you look at near-death experiences, like I would recommend that she check out PMH Atwater's work because she does a lot of stories and some of the older books I've read of hers where people have had experiences like she had um, through an NDE. And PMH Atwater has written about how you can have these experiences without having a near-death experience through serious meditation. And it almost sounds like that's what she had. Yes. On one of our NDE shows, I shared some stories from her book where every time people have these NDEs, they have this moment and it feels like a lifetime, like she explained in her meditation story, but it's only a matter of seconds. And they are able to access every answer to every question they've ever had. And they often can't bring the fullness of those answers back with them into this dimension. Because I, I don't think our, the collective consciousness as a universe has risen to the place where we're able to hold them all. We can conceive of them. But all of the answers are there for us to access. Uh, and we don't have to have a near-death experience to access them. It's just most people have to spend years of consistent daily meditation to get the experience that she had in this one moment. So can I tell that she's psychic from an email? No. But does that experience imply that she has these abilities? Yes. It's, and, and like you said, it's, it's nothing to fear. It's confirmation that we are so much more than our physical bodies. Right. And I think if you would read and study more about what some really amazing people like Stephen Schwartz's work on consciousness or Russell Targ's work on ESP, I think it'll help her to understand that we are interdimensional beings. We're choosing to exist in our conscious awareness in this third dimension. But in reality, we are interdimensional 
uh, beings. That's why I've said many times being raised a Catholic as a kid helped me to go, yeah, okay, I get that. Because I was raised with stories of saints bilocating and appearing in more than one place at a time or projecting their body to do healings. If anyone listening to this was raised Hindu, I bet you guys have the same, yeah, I get that. Because you guys were raised with wonderful stories of the amazing adepts who were able to bilocate, project themselves to, to bring messages of healing or insight. There are many, many, many religions that have stories like this. Certainly Catholics don't have the, the ownership on that. But if you look into some of the more esoteric religions, you will see that this type of stuff has been happening always. I do think some people are afraid of meditation because of these experiences. And if you can divorce yourself from that fear, even for a moment, you can open yourself up to so many wonderful things that can happen in meditation. Now, I would say, Denise, 95% of the time when I meditate, not a darn thing happens. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yes. I mean, I know if, if any doctors or nurses are listening, don't shake your head at me. I know physically a lot of great stuff is happening. My cortisol, my cortisol levels are decreasing. My anxiety is going away, all that good stuff. I just mean on a mystical level, 95% of the time, nothing happens. But that's all worth it because it's priming the pump for those 5% of the time where wonderful experiences happen. And sometimes it's just, I remember I, you and I talk so much about how our readings tend to go in patterns. Mm-hmm. I was doing a series of readings where I kept telling the person, you need to do the violet flame meditation. And they'd say, well, what's that? And I'd say, well, hold on, I'll email it to you. And so I have this violet flame meditation. I don't, again, I don't know if I created it or if I read it. But what I do is I picture a violet flame inside of Metatron's cube. And I picture that beautiful geometric cube shape with the violet flame shining out in, inside of it. And I, it's, the violet flame is spinning. And then I pull with my breath the cube through my body. And I don't know if you remember, because it was like a year ago. I, I told you about this experience. I, I just gotten my kids off to school. I had to start readings at nine. Um, I, 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 I had like that rare morning where I had like 30 minutes with, I didn't have to vacuum. I didn't have to send an email. And I was like, well, I'm going to meditate. So I sat down and I, I did the violet flame meditation because I was like, I keep telling all these people to do it. Maybe my guides are telling me to tell them that as a reminder of, you know, hey, lady, (laughs) you need to do this too. So I'm breathing in the violet flame, and I'm not having, there's no intention. I'm not like, I'd like to cleanse myself. I'd like to, I'm just breathing it through. And I just started sobbing. And I'm not a crier. Have you ever known me to cry? I, I don't cry easily, often, or well. And, and I just started to cry like all of, and I knew that what that violet flame meditation was doing is it was cleansing out all of the emotions I had picked up from all those readings that week. That's beautiful. It was and a really a, profound and, experience. And a really useful tool. And lastly, this really reaches out to how much we all need community right now. And if you can find that, on, if you're in a situation where you can't find that in your friends, family, your physical community, reach out to other like-minded people online. Become, we have our Facebook page, which is a gentle group. I also think that my gut feeling is that there's a lot happening for this lady. She is 
tapping into her, her intuition and her mediumship, and she may want to consider an entry-level course to see if it's something she'd like to explore further. So we don't have time for another question, but I did want to wrap up with one more story that a listener sent in. She writes, I had an interesting experience this morning. I was feeling some type of negative energy being sent my way. I'm not sure where it was coming from or why, but I just kept getting this feeling of someone either talking badly about me or sending negative energy to me, something along those lines. So I asked Archangel Michael and all of my angels to surround and protect me. And while I was in the middle of putting myself in this protective bubble, my smoke detector went off. There was, of course, no smoke around. I'm taking it as a sign from Archangel Michael and my entire team that they are indeed here protecting me, and I thanked them for it. Isn't that lovely? It is, and it's what I flashed on is when my father passed away, and I lived on the West Coast, and I'd flown back East, and my sister was supposed to bring me back to Logan so I could fly back to Oregon, and she's notorious for not waking up in the morning, and her smoke alarm went off three times like it to get her up out of bed on the day I was because I had to be at the airport at like six in the morning so I think it's interesting how I love 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 this story in the sense of she didn't own it she said you know what can you come help me get rid of this shit please because I don't want to deal with it right now and boom they popped right in to help her yeah and she acted on that feeling of someone sending negativity her way and and I think we've all felt that have you ever heard the old wives tale if is, I think it's if your nose itches, it means someone's talking about you. Mm-hmm. It, to this day, if my nose itches, I'm like, oh, no. So even if you have a little old wives' tale like that and your nose itches or you just walk into a room and you feel like they've just been talking about you or she's just walking around feeling some type of negative energy around her and she trusted that and she just said a quick prayer to Archangel Michael and her team and they validated it. I think that's great and it's a lovely reminder that that protection and that help and assistance is always there for us, but you have to ask for it. I agree. Well, we hope this has been helpful and informative and uh, hopefully a little bit funny for you too. I, I apologize if I ramble too much with everyone in, in my answers, but these questions and these stories were just so vulnerable and, and profound and very, very interesting that I, I get excited answering them. So if you guys would like to send in a question or a story, please don't forget you can email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com or Facebook us on Enlightened Empaths. Uh, Denise and I love sharing and, and reading the reviews you, you submit on the iTunes podcast app. So if you get a moment to do that, we sure do appreciate it. Uh, if this show has helped you, we appreciate if you tell a friend so we can continue to grow our community of empaths and just really keep validating each other that we are doing the work we are here to do. And we hope you will join us next week when we bring back some more wonderful, exciting shows. In the meantime, remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. <laughs>